chapter 1. And welcome to everyone. It's good to see you all. And uh, last week we were so packed, we had people in the overflow room, so um, sometimes when not everyone comes at once at the moment, it's helpful. <laughs> but but we, if there are people in the overflow room, we say hi to you and hi to all those watching online. And um, I just want to encourage you guys to vote. Vote for whoever you want. It's freedom. That's the point. You have a free choice. But I just ask you to exercise it. Hello? Voting. Very good. Very helpful. Somebody said to me, you can't complain if you don't vote. Pretty much true. So I encourage you to vote. All right. I'm going to pray, and then we'll just jump into the Word. Father, I thank you for your Word. I thank you that your Word cannot be chained. And I thank you that your Word has all authority, that your Word will never pass away. And Lord, we choose as a body and as people and as individuals, we say, help us to see revelation in your Word, open our ears to hear you speak to us, and Lord, may we mold our life around your Word and not mold the Word around our lives. So Father, we come to your Word with reverence. You have given this to us, and it shall never pass. And so we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. I did it again. Babe, could I have some water, please? So sorry. Yeah, that's great. All right, I would like to just, if I can, thank you. I stole my wife's water. Thanks. She said, trade me, but she said, I'll trade you. But I knew no one heard that, and I just kind of kept both. So it's okay. Um, I want to speak plainly to, to you all, if I can. Um, you know, this is probably the last of this little bit of series of Possessing the Land. This is the fourth part. And I just wanted to just speak a little plain because it's been a tough series for me. And uh, that's not, I don't need, you know, people say, oh, it's been wonderful. It's, it's been difficult. And um, I'm not sure why. You know, you know as a preacher when the Word of God is going into the hearts of the people and it's going into the, you can, you can sense it, you can feel it. Not always, but at times. And you also know when, and of course I can always grow as a communicator and as, of course we can, all, we can all grow in everything that we do, but you can tell when the enemy is putting, in a sense, a blanket over the ears of the people, and that's got nothing to do with your hearts, it's just spiritual warfare. Hello. It happens. And so I've just been, in my own prayer time, kind of trying to step back to say, Lord, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? Because the hand of God is on this church. And it does pain me to hear, I, you know, I get phone calls all the time, hear of many churches that have really been struggling over the past year or so, and churches that have closed and are struggling, or the struggles in the leadership, and, and uh, it, it pains me because we're all part of one kingdom. And, um, and yet, by the grace of God, honestly, just by the grace of God, God has just blessed us, and we're growing, and I mean, every... Every week, I think, we hear of someone being healed. It's, it's, it's almost like we're standing back and trying not to get in the way, and we're seeing people get saved. You know, we had someone just have a vision in the worship a while ago. Unsaved person was worshiping, had a, in a vision in her mind, never experienced anything like that, and gave her life to the Lord in the worship. That's awesome. Is man not involved? Now we need to be involved. That's the Great Commission. But that's just the presence of God. And we're seeing people get saved, we're seeing the sick healed, 
We're seeing people being demons cast out of people, which is a good thing. It's a sign of the kingdom coming. Jesus said, if I cast out a demon, it's the, the kingdom of God has come upon you. And so we're seeing you know, plans for expansion, and, and we're just kind of standing back going, God, wow, this is, this is wonderful. And yet at the same time, we also need to remember that we need to keep our ears to heaven because God speaks to people. We all know that God actually desires to speak to every person, individuals. Yes, through his word, of course, mainly through his word, but he will also speak to you in various ways. But God also speaks to churches. Hello? He speaks to churches. You see that even in the book of Revelation, to this church, to that church. He speaks to churches. And so I've stood back and said, all right, Lord, what are you saying to us? And so even over the last few months, I mean, it was about two months ago, the Lord put it in my heart to just teach on this text. I've done it before. Take people through, specifically look at the difference between the two generations. The first generation of Israelites that couldn't believe to enter the promises of God and the second generation. And of course, we could preach for three years on that. There's, There's so many details. But just as a general sense, that's what I believe God called us and called me to do for this season. Then I had my dad, who is an apostolic man. He carries an apostolic mantle, and some see him as that and some don't. That's fine. But he asked me for the first time ever, please can I preach? God's put something in my heart. He never does that. I always have to ask him, hey, Dad, come preach, you know. And uh, it's just always a blessing to have him. But he said, I want to preach. Can I preach? And I was like, sure, you know. And he stood here and he spoke, I don't know, about two months ago almost, on the testings of the Lord. And he said, I'm speaking to you as a body, that there's testings of the Lord. And he spoke to us about it. It was a profound message. It really impacted me. And then two weeks later, we had a gentleman, Greg Haswell, who came up from Atlanta. And they they know each other a long time, but they didn't talk. And my dad was actually traveling when he was here, and they didn't get to connect or talk anything. He stood up and preached the same message. I didn't tell him, I, don't, I, I kind of don't say a word to these guys because I want the Spirit of God to speak and I don't want to muddy the waters. And so we always say, don't, don't tell us, let the Lord tell us. And he stood up and preached on the tests of the Lord. He preached the same sermon in a sense, different emphasis, but the same message. And this message is somewhat the same. And I don't think it's coming as a rebuke of the Lord, like, I'm going to test you. It's actually an encouragement from the Lord saying, yes, I'm with you. Yes, I'm going to continue to be with you. I believe it's just the beginning of something of what God wants to do. And it's not about this church per se, but about this region, about the nation, about who we are as believers. But he's saying, as, this, as my hand will continue to be on you, Watch for these things, because they can come to destroy and interrupt. Yeah? And so, as a leader, I have to actually say, all right, Lord, what are you saying? You know, and and how do we partner with that? So I want to encourage you to actually go back and take a look at the two messages that both my dad and Greg has well preached. But I say this because... Right now, at the moment, there's about 380,000 churches in the United States. It's about 380,000 churches. And when we planted this church, we had a prophet come in, two, two prophets, actually different places at different times, said the exact same words, literally the same sentence. He said, the Lord says, I did not establish this body, just be another church. And that's always stuck with me. But we have 380,000 churches in the United States, and yet still the nation is in a state of spiritual decline. Don't be sad, it's okay. God wins, always. But if the nation is in a state of spiritual decline, 
we have to start to say, all right, Lord, show us again. Remind us again. Teach us again. Let us believe, actually believe again. Not just go through the motions, I go to this church. There's something bigger and there's something more. Hello. Would you agree? And so what happens is often we use carnal weapons. We make people our fight. And people are not our fight. And we make policies our fight. And policies are important. The politics, policies of politics. That's important, even the stimulus bill and all that's going on right now. It, it, there's some big things going down. A and we need to do what we can to stand and fight for truth in those arenas. Yet, the issue has always remained the same, the heart of mankind. Sorry, I'm going to move this because otherwise I'm going to fall. And uh, it will not be the Holy Spirit. It will be, it'll be just me all by myself. And... So I just, it's just on our heart to say, Lord, we can cry for revival, we can do these things, but the heart, and which we do, but the heart of man is the issue. And I believe God is continually looking for a, for a person. The Bible says he searches through, to and fro throughout the earth to look for whose heart is completely his. And when he can find a group, any group in any place that will completely say, Lord, we give you our hearts, we give you our lives, we'll follow you. What he can do, what he did with 12, turned the world upside down. What he can do is just an incredible thing to people who take off all the boxes and the structures of religion and say, God, we believe you're the same God. Do what you want to do. We'll follow you. We don't expect you to do what we tell you to do. And it's just always been the passion of our heart here to believe that God is still God. And so the heart of man, when it's so hardened, and when it's so hurt, even by religion, and when it's so overclouded by all multiple, you know, everyone says it's your truth. No, there's one truth. And all the stuff going on in society, there needs to be a generation of people that will actually learn to carry the presence of God in such a way that it can pierce through any heart. Because that is always the issue, the heart of man. They, the, blinded, the blinded minds, the blinded eyes, and a, and a hardened heart. And so the world is in a desperate time, but yet the church needs to arise, not fight them, beat them, we're better than you. No, we love you, you need the truth. Joshua and Acts, I was saying this to Richard and Carol before the service, Joshua and Acts are two, for me, they are two possessing books. That's why we're looking at it. The, it's like Joshua's Acts in the Old Testament. It's two books where they actually walked into the promises of God. They believed what God said, lived by what God says, took hold of the promises of God, saw what God said actually come to pass. The book of Joshua and the book of Acts. Because in the old it's the natural, but in the new it's the spirit. And they were accused of turning the world upside down. They were accused of being, those are the men that have been with Jesus. So we're going to go, we're going to read Joshua chapter 1. We went last week from Joshua 1 to, Josh, to Joshua 1 verse 10. I'm going to read most of the, actually I'm just going to read the whole first chapter. It's not very long. Uh, can we read together? After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them 
the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses. So it's nothing new. It's very hard to read and not preach. <laughs> I'm tempted to just re-preach. But it's nothing new. The Great Commission hasn't changed. It's nothing new. But the Lord is looking to impact and to shift and to change. Amen? From the wilderness in this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before, the, before you all the days of your life. We covered this last week. Why? As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide an inheritance of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. And I said it last week. Your yes positions you to actually distribute blessing to others. When you stand in courage, God will actually, your yes to the Lord positions you to give inheritance. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all according to the law which Moses my servant commanded you do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all according to that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous a lot of people are waiting for the Lord to make their way prosperous and prosperity is not just finance I'm talking prosperity of soul of the heart, of relationships, peace in the heart amidst the storm, prosperity in here. A lot of people are waiting for the Lord to, in a sense, make their way prosperous. But if you look in Scripture, He says, I've given you what you need for you to make your way, you make your way prosperous. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, which means it won't always work out like you think. Don't be afraid, but also don't be dismayed. Dismayed means dis discontented or distressed. Who's experienced stress in the last two days? Put on the news. There we go. He said, don't be dismayed. It's not going to follow the, the pattern and the course that you may see, but don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua, and then we ended there last week. Then Joshua, what's the first thing he does? Commanded the officers of the people. He calls a leadership meeting. Very important. A bold move, because the generation before, they called the leadership meeting, and the leadership destroyed the people. That's what happened with a bad report. But he does the same thing. Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, pass through the camp and command the people, saying, prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Very interesting. See, when God is doing something new, behold, I do a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? When God is wanting to move, when God is wanting to, either for you as a person or as a body or even as a nation, when God is shifting things and there's a changing of the tides, the fresh winds are blowing, things change. They were told by Moses, do not gather more than one day. Manna. Hello? No more than one day. If you do, trouble. That's a very big paraphrase. And they did, and trouble. Joshua stands up. He says, listen, God's doing a new thing. Prepare provisions for yourselves. You do it. Three days. 
Haven't done that before. Things are, what's going on, Joshua? I don't like this. I, I, I sit over there. When I come into church, that's my seat. Things changing. To go and possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which... Now, these guys were a group of people that had already... God gave them a territory just the side of the Jordan. So their inheritance, they already had it. They were already... They, they, they were living there. But Joshua says to these guys... Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. Your, your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them until the Lord has given your brethren rest as he gave you. And, as, and they also have taken possession of the Lord, a possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your position and possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side of the Jordan. So they answered Joshua, saying, look at the difference between the two generations. Remember, why did you bring us out here to kill us? Every little obstacle. It's like the first rock the Israelites came to. We're going to die. First little stream that to cross. Yep, he actually wants to kill us. Moses wants to kill us. Aaron wants to kill us. Miriam, don't like her. God wants to kill us. That is the whole attitude. They saved. They set free from spiritual slavery. They've been saved. That's what the Red Sea is. They're Christians, in a sense. But God's intentions for us, not good. Moses' intentions, not good. Look at the difference here. So they answered Joshua saying, all that you command us we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. I said that to the Lord. Lord, I, when I got saved, Lord, I'll go wherever you send me and now live in a different land. You know, say things, he actually, he, he believes you. <laughs> wherever you send us, we will, we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only, <coughs> sorry, only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words in all that you command him shall be put to death. That's pretty severe. Only be strong and of good courage. So, I look at this whole thing. You know, this is, in a sense, preparation of the heart. Now, 40 years they've been prepared. But we could talk a lot about that text, but I want to go to Joshua 3. Let me just say a few things. I look at this text... And I see kingdom hearts. The leadership are united. Very important. Because whatever happens here trickles down to the people. We all know that. In any kingdom, in any family, in any nation, in any business, in any church. The leadership are united. They're one. They speak one, with one voice. They speak the same language. The people are united. The people are with the leaders. They trust the leaders. They trust the Lord. A whole different type of people than 40 years previous. Often, the church works really hard to hurt itself. It fascinates me. Because it's the small things. It's just the small things that go, it's almost expected. You know, well, in every church is filled with people, so we're going to have trouble. 
And that's true, you know. And people say, well, you know, don't join a perfect church because if you join it, then it's not perfect. You know, all the stuff we hear. And what's happened is we, the church can sometimes build a churchianity culture which expects things to not go well. <laughs> it's the little things that cause major damage. Because to what us is small, in the unseen realm, if we could see what happens when we do something, when we gossip, when we slander, if we could see what it does there, I'm telling you, you would stop straight away. It causes havoc. And I'm not addressing any person. I, I really am not. This is it's just basic. Gossip, slander, usurping authority, leaders that are controlling and manipulation, whatever it is, it's the same age-old weapons that the enemy has employed against the church for thousands of years. All he has to do is whisper, and God's people take the bait. Bloop, gossip. Okay, easy. They don't realize what they're doing to the advancing of the Spirit of God. Jesus actually spoke about this in Matthew 18. The lesson was forgiveness. But he talked about where two or three gather, there I am in your midst. He talked about the authority that a body of believers together, he was talking about a church, to bind and loose what is bound and loose in heaven. And then he starts talking about forgiveness. He's teaching his disciples the way you treat each other here is so important for what I can do with my spirit with you. But we take the bait just like that. All, all of it. It's not pointing fingers. We have to, as a body, see through the enemy's deception. What is normal shouldn't be normal. And we swallow it quickly and easily. And it's like we work so hard to, to defeat ourselves. And then we, we go to a prayer meeting for revival. God, oh God. And we mean it. And before we get to the car, <laughs> you're like, you see what she was doing? You see what? You see what you did? That woman's crazy. I think she's just insecure. That was flesh. That. And we pull everything down. Just like that. Paul says in Galatians 5, But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. See, I see kingdom hearts. Here you have these Reubenites, Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. They've done their part, man. They could say, hey, what do you mean? Go over there? No, we're, we're here. We're good. You need to leave our land. Go fight. We're going to stay here. We have a resort. We're good. It would have been very easy. Well, it's my ministry. But it's, it's my gift. My church versus that church. It, it, these guys, there's a kingdom heart in this generation. They've seen through the lies of the enemy. They've seen through deception. And it's like they finally have said, we're actually tired of partnering with the devil. It's time to move forward. And next, what happened? 40,000, Joshua 4 says, 40,000 prepared for war, crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. Those guys, they crossed over to fight. Fight for somebody else. Because it's better for the kingdom. It's not about me. For the kingdom to prosper, we'll go in front. We'll be the front lines. Think of a, a war movie. We'll stand in the front and we will fight, even though we've already got our inheritance. Kingdom heart. There was no comparison. Why him, not me? 
You know, the New Testament says that we are one body but many parts, yeah? We all know the, the, the scripture, 1 Corinthians 12. Behold, we are one body but many parts, and the eye cannot say to the hand. And Think about it. For the prophetic, for the prophets and the prophetic in our midst, the eye. Imagine the eye lying on the floor. I see, I see, I see. That's so wonderful, little eye. But I don't have feet, and I can't get there. But I see, I see, I see. That's what's well, my gift. I'm the prophetic. It's, it's my gift, and it's my. I see, I see. But that's great. But you have no feet. You need someone, the body together, to walk. When will the body of Christ realize how important that is? In regards to the release of the supernatural power of God, they are linked. That's why Paul talked about it with gifts. He said, it matters, guys. It's linked. It matters. It matters. It matters. That's why it says we cannot say we have no need of each other. There are people in our midst that I believe are these Reubenites, Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. They fought battles on different battlefields, maybe years ago, maybe recent. They fought and they've won. <laughs> Many of you. And I'm, I'm asking you and I'm telling you, we, never before has there been a generation that needs what you carry so badly. Don't try to make them look like you though. Pray for them to be, to be them and to be free. But they need to know how to have victory. That's what they said us. Wherever you, whatever you command us, we will do. But then what did they say this? Only be, <clears throat> the Lord your God be with you. Huh. People are longing for leaders that actually know the Lord. Hello? That actually know the Lord. They said, we're with you. Just make sure God is with you, please. Then they said, in actual, we'll obey your commands. We'll do whatever. We'll even, we'll even uh, what's the word? We will even defend your orders. But then they said, but be of strong courage. How many know we need courageous leaders in the nation again? Courageous leaders who stand for truth. It's actually the desire of God's people, of all people. Please lead with courage. Have courage. Please. We'll defend your orders. Just have courage. <laughs> we had a friend, um, Joanne Hanchett, wonderful woman of God. She left years ago, this church, years ago, and she asked me, Clay, I'm going to pray for you. And she's like one of those who will actually do it, you know. And she said, what is the one thing I can pray for you? I'll never, and it just said, courage. We need courage. So, go to Joshua chapter 3. We're going to skip over Joshua 2. Nothing, it's not a bad chapter, it's a wonderful chapter. But I want to look very quickly at the Lord's strategy to cross over into the promises of God. There's a blueprint here. Don't make it a structure. Don't make it a religious order. Have every, don't do that. Just some practical helps that I've been in this book many times and said, God, show me again. Remind me again. This, and this is what I'm saying to you. You know, Paul said, I don't mind saying the same thing to you. It's safe to you. It's stuff we know. But if I'm hearing what the Lord is saying to us as a body... And I'm hearing what, and we're hearing, Lord, where are you taking us? What do you want to do? 
Because when the blessing of God comes, it'll actually bring all sorts of things out. Brings all sorts of things out. My dad taught me this years ago. Whenever you stand in the presence of God, whenever the presence, it waters whatever is in the heart, the good and the bad, the wheat and the tares, they grow together. And so the other person next to you goes, oh, look at that terrible thing in your heart, you stinky, nasty person. (laughs) Instead of actually, this is the Lord blessing us and bringing something out so that it can be identified and removed so that he can have victory in the heart and then through that person. Hello. So, what are the Lord's strategies? Some strategies to cross into the promises of God. So remember, these are Christians. These are people are saved. They've left Egypt. They've left spiritual slavery. They, they're with the Lord, but they've been in a holding pattern for 40 years. With the miraculous, with the power and the signs and wonders, but not actually going into the promise of God. So, let's read Joshua. We'll start and actually, let's go to chapter 2, verse 22. This is now, it's funny to me that Joshua spent, sent two spies, not, not 12. He learned, last time we sent 12, two had a good report, I'm going to send two. So he sent two spies, he sent them out, Joshua 2.22, they've come back. They departed and went to the mountain, they stayed there for three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all along the way, but did not find them. They did not find the spies, the people from uh, where they were. So the two men returned, descended from the mountain, and crossed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all that had befallen them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands, for indeed, how's this, all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. What's the difference? First time they went to spy and literally just did that, window shopping. They stood up somewhere, look, binoculars, These guys go in, meet the people. Courage. Didn't do that first time. And they heard testimony. They actually heard testimony. I I can read it to you quickly. In Joshua 2, in Rahab the the, the, the harlot, the prostitute, she says to them when she hides them, she says, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For why? For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came up out of Egypt and what uh, you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. This is an unsafe person. So one of the strategies, and it's the most repeated command in the Bible, don't be afraid. It is the most repeated command in Scripture. Fear not. And God wouldn't command it if it wasn't within reach. It's a command. Don't be afraid. Throughout every covenant, throughout every book, don't be afraid, don't fear, don't be afraid, don't fear, don't fear. And he wouldn't command it if it wasn't within reach. The inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted. God lives in you. (laughs) Christ in me, the hope of glory. He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. Pick a verse. The the inhabitants of the, 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 the strongholds, the issues that we're trying to bring down, do you believe they're actually afraid of you? 
They're not afraid of you, but they're afraid of a... The enemy is afraid of a believer who says yes to the Lord. I, I, when the Lord showed me that years ago, the enemy is afraid of my yes. He goes from big to small. Their hearts have melted within them. Do you believe that the enemy is actually all through... I scared him. He's, 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 don't, be, don't be afraid. <laughs> the enemy... Think about it this way, friends. It's all through Scripture, don't be afraid. The Bible says that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to those whom he will devour. Like a lion. People say there's two lions. Like a lion. There's only one lion. The lion of Judah. Like a lion. Like a lion. Truly the Lord has delivered all the land. Look at the difference. See, now faith has begun to grow in the heart of people. When you believe that the enemy is actually... Whenever the enemy is afraid, all through Scripture, this is what it's going to say. Whenever he's concerned, whenever God's people start to go, hey, that's the enemy. I don't like that person. That's not... And they start to see through the deception. You know what happens? Instantly what he does all through the Bible, he causes division. Every time. Every time. So when I see all sorts of division, I, I've come just in my heart. I go, oh, the enemy's afraid. This is good news. We need to help them not be divided, but the enemy's afraid. So when I look at the nation, God's got a plan. <laughs> don't be afraid. We need to do what we need to do, but don't fear. When you expect victory, it becomes much easier. They're planning victory. They haven't even gone over the Jordan. They're speaking about conquering this place and that place. There's a faith that begins to grow when fear goes away. God even removed the sting of death. I spoke to a lady and I, I'm going to go a little over time today, just so you know. But of course, you're welcome to leave whenever. I spoke to a lady. She's 80-something, last about two weeks ago. She asked me to pray for her. I'm laying hands on praying for her. What I said to her may have shocked some people, but it was, I know it was the Lord. And I said to her, you know, I envy you. She said, what, what do you mean? So I said, you're 80. You've lived your life. You, you will pass soon. She said, I know. So I said, and you'll see him first. You'll see him before me. So I'm going to be here. You'll be in glory. You've walked with the Lord all these years. You'll see him before me. And she just tears just streaming down. I said, don't fear death. Sting is removed. If you're a Christian, there is no sting in death. The believers in the New Testament understood this. Kill me if you want. I have something to preach to you about Jesus Christ. Let's actually read Joshua 3. First, do not be afraid. Joshua 3 verse 1. Then Joshua arose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see, when you see the ark 
of the covenant of the Lord of your God, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, in other words, carrying it, then you shall set out from your place, can you say this, and go after it. Go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure, that's half a mile, about. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. Strategy for God's people, for a business, for anyone to walk into the promises of God. First, don't be afraid. Second, pursue the presence of the Lord above every other thing. When you see it, go after it. Don't chase success. Don't chase eloquence. Don't chase fame. Don't have all the metrics of success that the world thinks is wonderful in the church and go after those things. Learn to discern the presence of God and go after it. Simple. Simple. Can I be blunt? Many believers don't know how to do that. Go after the presence of God. Look for the presence of God. Seek the presence of God. More important than power. The world, the church desperately needs power. But you can have false power. I've seen it in Africa. Occultic power. Witchcraft power. It's still power. I've seen it. But it only counterfeits genuine power. And that's why sometimes the church is afraid of power. No, the power of God needs to come back. But you cannot fake presence. The presence of God is him himself in the atmosphere, in the heart, in a stadium, in a room. In a, there's no counterfeit for that. Go after that. It is the presence of God that distinguishes us. For me, it's prayer and worship. For me. For you, it may be different. But the presence of the Lord. When you see the priests, we are New Testament priests, the priesthood of all believers, carrying that. Go after that. Put everything else down. Go after that. When I first got saved, I used to sometimes just hours just in my bed, just hold your presence. And I learned the presence of the Lord. You learn to distinguish it. You learn how to work with it. The presence of God. Ten minutes in the Lord's presence can do what 30 years of counseling cannot do. Go after that. Seek that. Learn from it. Study it. Read about it. Pray for it. The presence of God. You feel the room shift. It's just the presence of the Lord. Third, partner with the Holy Spirit. Friends, these are simple things. <laughs> simple things. But they've never changed. Partner with the Holy Spirit. Learn to distinguish the presence of God and partner with it. Learn to partner with it. This is the major difference between the first and second generation. The major singular difference of all of them is this one. Why? Moses is the mediator of the Old Testament. We agree? Well, the Bible says that, so if you don't agree, that's okay, but you're wrong. Moses is the mediator of the Old Testament. Jesus is the mediator now. 
There's no earthly mediator. Moses is the only one who could open the Red Sea, represents salvation, yeah? Moses is the only one who could open the Red Sea, just like Jesus is the only one who can bring salvation and separate and, and, uh, and remove de death and sin and restore and bring, em uh, remove the enmity and bring God and man back together. Only Jesus, the mediator, only Jesus can do that. But now we come as Christians to the promises of God, the book of Acts, the book of Joshua. Moses didn't go into the Jordan and, and part it. Joshua didn't go into the Jordan and part it. God's people did. Priests, people. Wasn't the leader, wasn't the mediator. It was God's people that had learned as individuals, as people, to pick up the presence of God. Look at verse 6. Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the ark, take up the ark of the presence. Take up the ark of the covenant and cross before the people. They took up the ark. That's the word and the spirit, the presence of God. They took up the ark of the covenant and went before. It's the same phrase in Ephesians 6 in the, modern, in, in the New Testament. Take up the armor of God. Same phrase. The New Testament verse would be equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Revivalists are wonderful. God's generals, you're always going to have God's generals on the earth. But the Lord is longing, I've, I believe with all my heart, for a generation who will believe they are who God says they are. Less than 100 years ago, we had about eight or nine major men and women of God on, here in, in this nation, in the 50s. I mean, you, the glory of God was just in this land. Tents of revival over less than, less than 100 years ago. And look at it now. Because it ends when they die. The Spirit of God said to us in the New Testament, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Teach the people of God, every person, as a New Testament priest, to take up the presence of God and actually walk with the presence of God. And it's, it's, it's not structural, and it's not, you know, a neat, perfect little church. It's only you can do that. I can't do that for you. It's the major difference between the two generations. Here Moses did everything. Here God says, my people will do this. It's the New Testament way. God has put, and it's the same in business. It's not just spiritual you know, on Sundays. No, no, in business. Learn to take the presence of God into your business, into your family meeting, into your budget meeting. You carry him. <laughs> Guard that place of his presence. Guard it. There's been times where I'm sitting in meetings, and I you, many of you probably all know what I'm saying. That sudden desire to be with the Lord. Who knows what I'm saying? That desire, I, I need to be with the Lord. That feeling like I need to, I feel like God, I need to go be in His presence. I've been sitting in meetings where I've excused myself. Because I've learned that's so important. So I say, just give me a few. I'm so sorry, I have to go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom, get on my knees. Lord, what? And everything that was happening in that meeting changes. Take up the ark. Take up the presence and take it into what you're doing. That is the way that God's people 
walk into his promises for them and for their team. Pick it up, take it in. And I know there's many practical ways that we could help to do, to, how do you do that? Friends, for you it may be different to me. Worship, music, pray, pick it up. Learn to carry it. Guard that place of his presence in your life. Other strategies, embrace new things. People don't like what's new. Oh boy. You guys still with me? Embrace new things. I encourage you, embrace new things. What did Joshua say? There shall be a space between you and it, about half a mile, don't come near it, that you may know the way you must go, for you have not passed this way before. The people of God are you, 40 years, the cloud moves, we move, the fire moves, we're used to following the presence of God. But Joshua says, not like this. The cloud's not going to go, the fire's not going to go, you're going to go. Because in the New Testament, God comes to take residence in you. You go. He's in you. You go. And you put your feet in the Jordan River. So you go. But he says, listen, (laughs) you haven't been this way before. One of the signs that God is actually working with a group of people, a church, a nation, whatever, that new things are happening that weren't happening before. New things are happening. And it disrupts everyone's perfect process. Well, uh, it wasn't always like that. We've always done it like this. That's great. But the Lord wants to do this. Well, hmm, hmm. whatever, you know, you all know what I'm saying. It just disrupts everything. It's messy. Sometimes the Holy Spirit comes, it's a little messy. We want clean and perfect. Somebody says, you cry out for the Lion of Judah to come, and then he comes into the room, or he starts to move powerfully, and we expect him to be a kitten and sit down on the back seat and do what we tell him to do. One of the practical telling signs that we are, God's people are actually beginning to cross over into, into promises, into the inheritance. New things are happening, which will be uncomfortable and will make people disagree. But that's fine, because we have kingdom hearts now. So we can disagree and love one another. It's wonderful. Right? So easy. So simple. The New Testament calls it walking by the Spirit. And let me say this, and I've said this before, and then we'll start to land. One of the greatest impediments I see often is what I call God experts. God starts to move, or something starts to happen. And people that have seen or done those kind of things before, it's, it's like, you know, and I've seen and I've experienced those things, but it's, we become God experts, you know, where that's, well, God's doing that over there, and this is exactly what's happening, and I've seen that in those years, and this is that, and this is that. It's like it doesn't even, it doesn't even affect the heart anymore. It's just familiarity with the things of God. And we start to box it. Well, that's this, and that looks like this, and well, you know, that's this gift, and he doesn't understand how to do it. And we, we put these little boxes and structures on everything, and it's all nice and neat. God experts. And then the Lord comes and says, Hey, do you know there's places that I can take you that you've never been? Things that you've never seen? Things you've never experienced? Ever. If you don't believe that, can I be honest? You don't know the Lord. (laughs) Because He's much bigger than you and your mind. 
He's the Lord God, Yahweh, El Shaddai, Elohim, El Elyon, God Almighty. He can do whatever He wants. <laughs> whatever He wants, outside of our church box, outside of our gifting category, whatever He wants. And He's waiting for a generation of people that will learn to see when you see the presence of God. That's what He said. That can learn to discern that's the Lord. And I'm going to follow that. Well, if you follow that, your denomination or your company, or your, they're going to kick you out. I'm going to follow that. Because that's the Lord. I see that. That's, I'm going to follow that. That's called courage. But there must be a space between you and it. Why? Make sure that people know it's not you. So important. People keep wanting to put pedestals under God's people. Look at this great man, this great woman, and God will take those people down just like that. Don't do that. I encourage you. Spiritual heroes, we follow Jesus, all of us. Billy Graham followed Jesus. We don't follow him, we follow Jesus. Don't muddy the waters. No one but Jesus. Oh, we've run out of time. Can I just read a little bit? Then we'll close. Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God is the same God? That he never changes? Do you believe he can do wonders? Real wonders? And we translate it like, well, in you... And I say it all the time, I get in the Old Testament as a physical, New Testament as spiritual. So we look for wonders that are even that. Do you know that he could still dry up the Shenandoah if he wants to? Like that. Sanctify yourselves, he says. The next point, strategy for going in and possessing the land. Some people don't like the word, Holiness. You can have holiness from a place of legalism and control and beating people. I'm not talking about that. There's a place where God puts something in your heart to be separate. And it's actually the most exciting place to be in. Ask the Lord for it. You can't make that up. I've tried. You can't. But I've cried out to God. Show me. Separate me. Change my heart. Take the things from me that I shouldn't desire. That's all you can do. And when God starts to move into your heart, I don't do that stuff because I want to, but I know it's bad. I don't do it because I no longer am interested in that. That's inside out change. Holiness carries its own form of power in the, in the Bible. It carries beauty. Worship the Lord and the beauty of holiness. It's a forgotten word in the church because it hurts a lot of people through legalism in another generation. But there's a holiness in the scripture that is so beautiful and powerful and you shine. You see those people, they shine for the Lord. And lastly, stand, but I'll just read it quick. They took up the Ark of the Covenant, verse 6, verse 7. 
And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. We'll end it there. You shall command the priests, you shall stand. This is them walking towards the first impossible thing that God has actually told Joshua to do. Can I say everything up to this point is theory? They are walking towards the Jordan. A lot's been said. Lots happened. I'm excited. I feel the presence of God. I've learned to carry the presence of God. I'm with Him in my quiet times. I'm, God's moving in my heart. Things are happening. People are getting healed in the church. And now I come to something that I cannot do for the first time. Oh boy. And some of you know this feeling. You come to this place of, I'm now standing there. What does he say? Jump in it. Don't stand there on the bank of the Jordan and reason for too long. You will reason yourself out of faith very quickly. Well, this doesn't make, you know, when fear masquerades as wisdom. How many times I've heard, well, let's, let's just be wise. What did the Lord say? doesn't make sense. What did the Lord say? We don't have the money. What did the Lord say? Jump in it. And stand in the impossible place so that everybody else can cross. (laughs) Some of you have been standing there for a while. (laughs) You stand there and you stand there. The Bible says in Joshua, it says, stand there and let let your feet find rest there. And watch what God will do. God amongst us always means victory. Always means victory. These are basic things. We've heard them before. Why don't we stand? I know I went over time. Thank you for your grace. I tell you, I, I just... There's something in this, just these little things, just today, and I'm hot, you're probably hot. There's no one, it's just me, right? It's freezing. I don't know, I get so hot. It's just something of God in the house today. You know, there really is. And I encourage you, just take some of these things. Ask the Lord, Lord, teach me that one thing. Let me learn your presence. Let me learn to discern. Teach me the one thing. If you're facing a Jordan, ask the Lord, is it time for me to stand in there? Guy de Blank. Guy de Blank's with us. Sorry, Guy. He uh, was an elder here for like 100 years. And um, do you have a mic? Can you pray for us to close? I was going to invite him up to say something, and I forgot. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but you have a kingdom heart. You've already forgiven me. I have. It's wonderful. <laughs> So, can you just pray for us? Absolutely. It's wonderful to have you, have you with us today. It is unbelievable to be here. It is so good to see everybody. But let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your presence that is so thick in this place. Lord, even coming back here now is such a reminder of how we host your presence in this place. Let us always carry you with us wherever we go. 
Because where you are, your kingdom is. And where your kingdom is, great and mighty things can happen through us. Lord, I pray that you would use each one of us this week, that we would take the lessons that we've learned this morning and apply them. Let us stand in the Jordan. Let us move into the promised land. Let us break off the chains that have shackled us for so long. Let us be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you, Guy. Uh, visitors, thank you for coming. Please grab a gift on the, on the way out. Don't forget Encounter Night next Saturday here in this room. It's going to be a wonderful time of worship. If you'd like prayer for anything, please come up over here. I did have a word of knowledge for healing. If you've got tingling or numbness in your hands or your feet, come get prayer. Otherwise, see you later. Go get your kids. Good morning, Free Life Church. We're glad you've joined us today. If you are visiting in person, please stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag and find out how to connect with us. We look forward to meeting you. Encounter Night is coming up on October 9th at 6.30 p.m. Please plan to join us for a wonderful evening of spirit-led worship. Childcare is provided. There are fun activities happening every month in Kids Place. Be sure to check out the Kids Place events page for a list of all of our upcoming events. Our toddler room is in need of volunteers on Sunday mornings. If you are interested in helping out, please email kids at freelifechurchva.com. Are you enthusiastic about the things happening here at Free Life Church? Do you have a strong, clear voice? We would love to have you on our announcement team. For more information about this great volunteer opportunity, contact the church office. Here at Free Life, we've made kingdom giving easy. Scan the code to access our giving platform. If you prefer to give by cash or check, simply drop off your gift in one of the connect boxes around the building. We thank you for supporting all that God is doing in and through Free Life Church. Did you know that we have a prayer team that prays weekly for you? If you have a prayer request, scan the code here to complete the online form or fill out the connection card. We would love to pray for you. Remember to learn all about our upcoming events. Please see the events page on our website. Thanks for tuning in.